Welcome to a very special Dog or Pass year in review. Happy holidays to all. I'm Paul Shaughnessy, joined by the power of Zoom by Cody Safdick, breaking down this great year. Remember to smash the like button, do all that other stuff. You know, get the word out there, tell your friends, hopefully big and, uh, big and better things to come in 2022 for us. Yeah, Paul, you are the best, my friend. I decided before I came into the show, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw something festive on. And I'm looking through my clothes. I'm like, don't actually own anything festive. I, I don't even really think I own anything red or green. And then, of course, the magic of Zoom pops us up, and I get to see your beautiful face. And uh, you are the best of your abilities, red and green. You are wearing a moose hat or a, a moose head's hat and a Oshawa General's jersey. However, red and green, man, you're always prepared. This jersey was like the first jersey I ever was bought my parents bought this for me when i was like eight years old and we had five kids in my family so like they they really like they bought it and it was basically a dress on me it came down to my ankles but it fits (laughs) me to this day kind of like the sleeves are pretty embarrassing it's a hilarious little shirt but uh yeah supporting the chl with the red and green for this episode why don't we get right into the action here the people have come for the awards of the year we're a little different than some of these other award shows that they that they go on maybe we'll say some things that they wouldn't you know they wouldn't dare say on television um (laughs) it's gonna be a little bit more of an off-the-cuff type of episode uh, this week, so let's get right into it. This is this is just an opportunity for us to just pat ourselves on the back. To be perfectly honest, bet of the year. So for me, I'll go really quickly. It was Brad Taschuk slipping into DMs saying, I, "I know that you said cab by KO and Giagos by sub. Why don't you parlay them together?" And I I didn't put very much on it, but. Both of those hit. It was something absurd. It was like 150 to 1 type of odds. Good times had by all. I was living in Pat's basement here, and they heard me like scream when Cab caught a, caught a KO there against, uh, against Gina Mazzani. So that was my bet of the year. I imagine one of your PRPs has got to be the bet of the year for you. Yeah, that's the thing. I decided to shake it up a little bit. So we got two full-out UFC PRPs this year. That was huge. We hit a 100-1 to on the Colby Covington versus Usman 2 card. And, of course, we had some PFL success. We had some Bellator success. However, I didn't decide to go with any of the parlays. I just went and went, what was my straight-up best bet of the year? Chris Curtis over Phil Haas by knockout, plus 600. Love me some of that, Paul. First of all, it was a great way to introduce Chris Curtis to the audience. He makes a big splash. He makes his... Name for himself, guys, 34 years old, finally, finally gets his moment to shine. And also, I've been wanting to fade Phil Haas so bad, waiting for that opportunity, waiting for that spot. This was it. And Chris Curtis went out and absolutely delivered. So the parlays are great. Those are huge. But how often can you say you hit a plus 600? Just a straight up, right? Just a straight up. Parlays are different. Those give you that juice. But uh, it's not every day that you go and you hit something like that. So, yeah, Chris Curtis doing it for me again. I'm going to have to say my best bet, single bet of the year would be uh, the Action Man by KO, plus 600 over Phil Haas. Love it. All right, moving on down the line. Biggest storyline of the year. I really, really struggled with this one for a while, but then I thought about it, Cody. And the real question that I had this year that was left unanswered is, was Jolie in Connor's wife, or was was Jolie in Connor's (laughs) DMs? Your wife was in my DMs, mate. 
that, that that's yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't really have a storyline, but that is my storyline because we never got we never got it. We never really had it answered. Was she in Connor's DMs? Yeah, we never got full disclosure on that one. I would say this one was also very difficult. I thought, well, what's the big story? So when you think of big story, you think of, well, who's the big star? And, uh, oh, Conor McGregor. But there wasn't really no big story to him. He broke his ankle, right? Was that the story? That's not really a story. Habib Nurmagomedov retires. Actually, he retired last year. Just He's just been playing a heel character all of this year, talking shit from the uh, Instagrams and the Twitters. Uh, what's what's the big story? I actually had to go with just recently, which is Amanda Nunez quits. This is the GOAT. This is the pound for pound, two world, two division weight class, the best to do the damn thing, rolling through opponents, Paul. And to think that this person is going to quit after a round and a half and then publicly grab on the microphone and just have such a sense of relief, like, oh, thank God I lost. It's like, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. And so, yeah, biggest story of the year for me is the GOAT quits. You can see them losing. They lose, right? George has got to lose eventually. You know, and Khabib are going to be retired before the, the opportunity came. John Jones, I guess it was coming to him. There's another storyline. John Jones fucks up again. Thing is, <laughs> it's not news anymore. It's like not even, it doesn't even phase you. Oh, well, John Jones fucked up again. Not even a real story. So all of them aside, I had to go with, uh, none of them quit. None of them are quitters. Amanda Nunez, I know you and I discussed about this at length last week, but uh, she flat out quit, Paul. And to yep. me, that was the biggest story. Yep. Connor did not quit. It was no, a doctor's doctor's stoppage. Doctor's stoppage. What a what a moment that night was. Anyway, moving on down, we've got uh, most fadable gym. This is where we go a little bit off the beaten path for um, you know what you'll see on uh, other award shows. And frankly, it has for me. It's got to be SBG Ireland. They got mm. Johnny Walker, one of the most exciting, <laughs> electrifying light heavyweight. Love, light heavyweight fighters in the world and turned him into a boring, low-volume point striker. Um, that was that was kind of the, oh, my God, talk about just ruin. No one expects this guy to be a champion. Maybe that's what they were trying to do, but you literally sucked every little bit of fun out of him. And then on top of that, whether it was Sinead Kavanaugh when she went, like, toe-to-toe with Cyborg. Uh, trying to knock her out. I mean, the two of those things together, SBG Ireland going woo, way down um, in 2021. I mean, they were already on the decline, but it really cemented it for me. Uh, most fatable gym. If I see SBG Ireland, I'm probably betting against you. Yeah, that's a fair. I had to go with uh, Jackson Wink. Another another year where Jackson Wink continues to fall down the hill. And this is used to be a mega gym when we were younger. Paul, 10 years ago, they were the best. They had the best roster of guys. George Champier was there. Rashad Evans was there. Keith Jardine was there. They had a resurgence years where they had Donald Cerrone was there. And, uh, Frank Mir went there. Alistair Overeem went there. Andre Arlovsky went there. It was a mega gym. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, who'd have thunk it? And everybody's gone now. The people that walk in say it's toxic. They walk right out. And you're just seeing now from the fighters that are actually representing the gym, it's just steadily in a decline, right? The skills aren't there. The training isn't there. The game plans aren't there. It used to be Jackson Wink, right? Greg Jackson came up with the game plan. Michael Winklejohn had the the technical abilities tight. Jackson was the grappler. Winklejohn was the striker. It was a dynamic duo. Jackson stepped out out of the spotlight a little bit. You see him here and there, I suppose. But that banner, Jackson Wink, I mean, I just think it's cancerous at this point. Nail in the coffin being John Jones, your perennial star, the one guy that no matter what stuck with you, right? Everybody else is walking out other than Holly Holm, Jackson, or uh, Winkle Johnson, whether she's like 18, right? 
Uh, everybody else has left the gym. Everybody else sees that this is not a good spot. John Jones loyal to the bone to these guys. And then uh, screws up again. Well, whatever. This is nothing new. You didn't kick him out of the gym the first four or five times he screwed up. Like, what, what makes this one any different? More pressure? Like, I don't know. Because it was a domestic? I guess him hitting a pregnant lady in a car in a DUI incident wasn't as domestic enough for you. But uh, they, they, yeah, they they don't ban him. They more or less kick him out of the gym. And now he's spouting with Winkle John being like, guy's a sack of crap, you know, he wants money, he wants a limelight. Like, the whole thing is just a disaster. When I see J- outside of Aaron Pico, when I see Jackson Wink on the on the banner, I'm like, uh-oh, got to go the other way on this one. All right. And that kind of, you know, see this on the banner and go the other way leads us into most fatable fighter. We've got, uh, for me... I mean, anytime I see this guy, I'm looking for submission props. I am looking for just the other side. And, you know, I pulled up best fight odds here. And they've got, he, he was closing range as a minus 300 favorite and a minus 350 favorite. Nope. You know, the chalk chasers never learn their lesson on Sean Soriano. I don't care who he trains oh. with. I don't care who he trains with at Sanford MMA. He's the kickboxing coach. The guy can't grapple. He's grappled. He probably does some practice at the gym in the grappling. But you get him into a fight, the guy is lost. You know, Shailan Nuran Bieke, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. That was a plus 240 winner. Um, and then Crystal Giagos. I had Giagos, and I had Giagos by sub. Uh, the most lucrative guy to fade for me this year, um, just straight up, was Sean Soriano. Big favorite, and really, there's nothing that could ever lead you to believe that he was worth that price. Yeah, that's fair enough. I would say that the most fadable guy clearly has to be, we just saw him last weekend, Harry Hunsucker. However, yeah, he's just a big old heavyweight that's going to get knocked out in a minute. Who's a real letdown? Who's someone that you can just auto-fade and Darren feel pretty Till. good about your chances in 2021? That's he only fought once. That's what That was the difference for me. I actually, and I got uh, Brunson by sub at like 20 to 1 at one spot because I, that's pretty I, I have no idea. For whatever, most maybe fadable because... fighter. I decided to go with Charles Rosa. His game is just not adequate anymore in 2021. He's gotten zero takedown defense. He's got no game off his back. His striking is lackluster. He's one and two on the year, okay? The one win, split decision win over Ryan James in a fight he almost got knocked out in and almost got submitted, although he's never been submitted, so mostly just almost got knocked out. And then his other losses, like he's a two-to-one favorite over Derek Minner, and he just, Derek Minner's a cardio machine in there against him, taking him down, grinding him. It's embarrassing. His last time out, much of the same. Don't know why I fall for the tricks and the antics of one Charles Rosa. BGJ Black Belt, great striking, American top team. All of it means absolute diddly poo when Charles Rosa gets in there. So most fatable guy, even though Harry Hunsuck is the worst guy in the roster, Charles Rosa is the most fatable guy in the roster. All right. Next up is the submission of the year. Um, this one I really, really grappled with. <laughs> um <laughs> And it, for me, it came down to, like, results I did not expect to see happen. So there's two finalists for me. Fluffy Hernandez subbing Rodolfo Vieira was not a result I ever saw coming. Obviously, it had to do with cardio issues, probably a bad weight cut, all of that. But that was a result that I really didn't expect to see. But the one that really stung, and it kind of put this guy on the map was for me, was uh, Andre Muniz submitting Jacare and breaking his arm on damn TV. So that is the winner of submission of the year for, for P-Shags here. What about you? 
Yeah, this is another difficult category. Again, I think when when you think of uh, submission of the year, you're like, oh man, flying armbar, omoplata. But it's like there there was none of that. There was really little of that. It's more like bread and butter submissions. And so then my criteria fell to what was a big meaningful one? What was a big one? And I ended up going with Brandon uh, Figueredo or Brandon Moreno over Davidson Figueredo. I mean, it's a world title fight. The first fight's a draw. People think that Figueredo is just going to walk through in the rematch. You got Moreno as a sizable betting underdog again. And that's his coming out party, man. He absolutely looked tremendous in that rematch against Figueredo and ends up getting the rear naked choke submission victory. It's a huge moment. It's Mexico's first um, born champion. It's just a, it's a great moment. I think when you look at fight of the year and you look at all these great moments, tons of stuff have happened and you kind of overlook at Brandon Moreno. He's had a fantastic campaign. He looks as good as he's ever has. And I gave him submission of the year. Talking about people who have looked as good as they ever have. We got ring card girl of the year up next. I actually haven't written down an answer for this one because I was going to toss it over to you. See if you've got a, you know, it feels like Brittany Palmer just wins <laughs> the award every single year. But right, that's probably because, right. you know, the fan base doesn't necessarily, like she shows up to the most events in general. Um, she has the most like prominent social media following. Ariani's fallen off just a little bit. You know, she looks good for her age, but, you know, happens to the best yeah, of damn us. Damn right she does. The, that's um, what the money can do for you, Paul. So, yeah, ring card girl of the year. Do you, are you, or did you go off the beaten path here or is it? Is it I did. Palmer? I did go you off did. the beaten path. I went with uh, Shondella Powell. Uh, I don't think she's a ring card girl in about a decade. However, miss my girl Shondella, shout out. (laughs) Uh, To be honest with you, this is a stupid category, not just because you put it down, just I think it's a stupid category in general. Like, I don't notice the ring card girls anymore. There was a time where it's like, oh, woo, woo, yeah, girls coming in the ring. But like, now either the it goes to a commercial break when they walk in the ring anyways, or just I don't care. I'd rather know what the corner's saying. I'd rather rather the, the camera go to in the corner and let me see what this guy's breathing. Are like. you saying this because you down? recently, you know, you recently no, proposed no, 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 and no. you're and you're worried no, that no. baby is gonna gonna be gonna be lurking, seeing no, which ones no, you're looking no. at here? Because because I will counter with this, Paul. They're not even trying anymore. They just give you the same three girls every time. Yeah, it's Brittany Palmer, it's Ariane Celeste, J- Jenny Andraj. Can anybody name any of the other girls? Does anybody care? Like they they hold a, a card, they go in there for a few seconds, they come, but they're in the apex, it's not even a crowd. Nobody's even like cheering them on anymore. You barely see them. And it's not as if it's like, here's a new crop every year. He's a new crop. It's like, oh my God, look at that girl. Oh my God, where did she come from? It's just like, Ariana, okay, Brady Palmer's been doing it since the WEC days. She was a WEC ring card girl. The WEC got bopped by the UFC in like 2011. So it's been a decade that she's been like one of three ring card girls. Ariana Celeste, ha, she's been doing it since like 2007, 2006. Just hasn't changed. So, uh, like Logan Stanton, she was the best, man. Uh, Edith, Edith was the best. Yeah, those girls were so fine. My God, they're Logan just not around. St- I don't even know what you're talking about. Let's. let's oh see. yeah, ring card girl, UFC ring card girl Logan. Oh my God. Okay, uh, yep. Do you remember her? Yeah, th- no, th- those I don't girls remember were... her at all. To be perfectly really? honest, my you know? God. See, maybe I was younger in those days and I paid more <laughs> attention. But now it's like, oh, we got one Brazilian girl. Okay, yeah, she's she's a bombshell. She's a ten out of ten, right? You got two American girls who are both. So much plastic surgery. They're both ten out of ten. Let's 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 cut it straight here, Paul. But uh, oh, I don't know. Like, does little known fact does Logan your Logan gear? Stanton seemingly her her uh, her Twitter account disappeared from 2014 to February of this year, and she just popped up. She popped up to quote tweet Elon Musk to say, "You can buy Dogie at hashtag Voyager." So 
He's probably got more followers He's than already. He's been on Twitter point. for six years. Yeah, um, that's. I yeah, forgot, I forgot about her, but I shouldn't have. He's babe. Well, well played. Thank you, thank you, Pat, for the uh, the live switch in there. I I needed to see, and the people needed to see. All right, we'll move on down to the next one. Coach of the year, and I don't even think that there's really any sort of competition to be had for coach of the year. It's Trevor Whitman, unless you're an idiot and you're going to make an argument for somebody else. <laughs> oh, shit. It can't be anybody um, else. Like Usman, uh, Rose Namajunas, Gaethje's in title contention now. It's like he only does a f- he only coaches a few people, and they're all like championship-level caliber. Yeah, you know what? You're making a good point. I think this one's pretty subjective. Just like, what do you like? Who do you think had the bigger standout moment, I suppose? But yeah, you're right. I mean, Trevor Whitman, Rose Namajunas has gone 2-0 this year. A couple wins over Wiley Zhang. That's huge. You're 100% right. Usman's left Sanford MMA, linked up with uh, Trevor Whitman. And my God, Usman kind of looks as good as he's ever looked. Mm-hmm. He's looking uh, pretty on point. Yeah, Justin Gaethje just had another fight of the year candidate, the way Justin Gaethje does. So you're probably right. I did, however, put down Santino DeFranco from Fight Ready MMA. It just seems like to a, uh, it's like James Krause on steroids. Like James Krause has a small little group of guys in Kansas. They do well. That's what puts James Krause in a fight of the year or a, or a coach of the year candidate conversation. But ultimately, the results just aren't there. When I look at Santino DeFranco and everything they've done, I mean, just tremendous, tremendous work. Uh, did a good job of even just taking guys like Korean Zombie, bringing them back. Wiley Zhang switches camps, goes over to fight ready. Has, you know, a tremendous performance against Rose. Didn't get the win. Maybe that's what's going to hurt him. But an excellent fight. You see Figueredo's there now. You see uh, Patricky Pitbull just won the Bellator Lightweight Championship. I just really like everything that Santino's doing down there in Arizona and just really getting these guys to the next level. I think they're probably the breakout gym, one of the breakout gyms, but I can't disagree with you. You know, you're, you're probably right. Um, you can't take away from everything that Trevor Whitman's had done this year, the success he's had, the results are certainly there. So you're probably right. I know I put Santino, but I think we could more than likely agree that it, it should be Trevor Whitman. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the lock of the century. That's the yeah that that seems about fair. The Amanda Nunez. Oh wait, no, that that was not a lock. That 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 resulted in egg on my face. All right, here's a referee of the year, and I, the only reason why we're even talking about this because I saw at the actual MMA awards they had Herb Dean, who would be my vote for like worst referee of the year. Guy's always out of position, doesn't seem nearly as athletic, able to get into the spots. People get hurt during Herb Dean fights these days. That was like the most laughable award of the year that just shows how, you know, how silly those those awards and really any award show really is. But Herb Dean had no business being there. He's like right there with me. Who was that like Russian guy that showed up on like on like in Abu Dhabi a few times? Because that guy just wanted to see blood. He would he would let people like die out there. They sent him home. They sent him home after like the second <laughs> fight of the night. They're like, yeah, dude, this isn't for you. Vyacheslav <laughs> like, Keslev or something like that. Well, that yeah, I, he's probably a Spetsna who's watched a guy lose an <laughs> eye before and that didn't do nothing. That guy's about getting it. paid like, off hey. to the overs for sure. Um, yeah, but referee of the year, um, for me, it's, I think it's Jason Herzog. Anytime Jason Herzog's in there, I don't think he gets enough cred. Anytime he's in there, I, I really don't think he makes too many mistakes. He's very, very clear with the fighters. Um, I think Herzog is incredibly underrated. And Keith Peterson's pretty solid himself, but uh, you never know with him. You know, old, old booze and cigarettes, Keith Peterson. You know, maybe if he's a little bit, you know, if he's a little bit... Uh, you know, if he's been feeling the groove that day, um, 
he he may be a little bit of a, a red flag. But I think it's Jason Herzog for me. What about you? I'm going to agree. I got Jason Herzog down as well. You know, it's funny. So when I saw this category, when you sent it over to me, I'm looking at it, I'm like, geez, who are the top referees right now? Who are the guys that get most of the action? Like, who's in this conversation? And you know what? Maybe I'm just being like pessimistic, but there's a bad bunch of referees here. Of course, you look at Herb Dean, right? He's the gold standard. He's the number one guy. He's been with the UFC since 2004. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's had a lot of blown calls. He's generally out of position. Seems like he's overthinking stuff. He'll do this thing where he'll go to stop it, and then he'll try to stop himself at the last second. Usually ends up touching the guy, right? The guy will look back at him like, did you stop the fight? And then he'll, like, it's just, it's a bad spot, man. Bad spot for her. Can't be hurt, right? Can't be hurt. Chris Tyone. Chris Tyone's a shit rap. Let's be real here. <laughs> he He's like, he's like 50-50 at best. Sometimes he calls it straight. Sometimes it's just not a great performance. I don't think this guy should ever be considered in a best referee of the year category. Uh, Dan Mergliata. Dan Mergliata is kind of like Herb in that he's been considered the gold standard. He's been very good traditionally. It's just now that they're getting a little bit older, they're getting some more money. I don't know what's going on in their heads, but they make a lot of stupid decisions. What completely annexed him from my list this year was not even an MMA fight, but the Kabrat Pulev versus Frank Mir triad boxing match. Okay, It's not that it's a terrible call, which it is a terrible call. Frank's done. Pulev knows it. Everybody knows it. He does like the Domorogato Mr. Roboto in the middle of the ring. Like, oh, 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 oh. And then Merg's just staring at him. It's a bad referee decision. Sure. It was the aftermath when they were like, yeah, so real bad stoppage there. And he's just like, what are you talking about? Bad stoppage? He's like, I was waiting to see what Pulev was going to do. It's like, why waiting to see what he's going to do? The other guy's done. The other guy's done. His brain's been shut off. Okay. His motor skills are gone. His body is barely hanging on. He, he's like frozen up in midair. You're waiting to see what the other guy does? What do you mean you wait? It, no onus there. No responsibility. Didn't accept it. Wasn't like that. That was a bad decision. And that's the thing with these referees, man. Very few of them will come out and be like, I made a bad decision. They always justify it. Now, if you think Dan Mergliotta is a bad referee, well, there's two guys here that blow him out of the water by a landslide. Mark Goddard and Mark Smith are shit. One spells it with a C. One spells it with a K. Both marks are terrible. These are the worst referees in the game. Keith Peterson's okay. Keith Peterson, generally more time than not, gets it right. He's no-nonsense Keith Peterson. He doesn't give you a whole lot of cage grabs. You know, he does a good job of asserting himself in there. But, I mean, the guy can't even reach the bottom of his own pocket. So, I, I'm not putting him in there. I got to go with my boy, Jason Herzog, who, by the way, is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's got a fond understanding of the game. He's been in the game for a long time. He hasn't just wrapped these big highlight UFC fights. He's gone to the Bellators. He's gone to the smaller regional shows. He's cut his teeth. And I think the last number of years now, he's been doing an exceptional job. So I'm going to agree with you, Paul. I got Jason Herzog. Yeah. You don't see, you don't see people calling out Jason Herzog all that often. And he doesn't get the awards because he's not popular enough, but he actually is way better than these other guys these days. In my humble opinion, do, do they make mistakes? Of course, every single ref, it's a tough job in there. They're going to make mistakes from time to time. But Herzog just seems to be in complete control at all times in all of the fights that are pretty much all of the fights that I've ever seen. All right, comeback of the year. I think this one is pretty simple as well, Cody. Sergio Pettis was like plus like 1,100 to win in round, what was it, round four when he had the spinning spinning back fist on uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. I was looking at the line and I was just like, well, like Sergio can't finish a sandwich. And then boom. Absolutely folds Horiguchi with the spinning back fists for my comeback of the year. I thought I, I was watching that live being like, 
Yeah, there's no like that would be literally throwing money away if I bet on Sergio Pettis right now, and he proved me wrong. So kept his belt. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, were on the gooch in that spot, and pretty clear to me that uh, yeah, nobody saw that coming, uh, especially you know fl- or what bantamweight, lower level Fly weight class or. Yeah, were they fighting yeah, a flyweight? Yeah, no, it's phantom weight for Bellator. Guys don't cut all the weight for for Bellator. Let's let's call <laughs> a spade a spade. Yeah, Pettis Pettis against uh, the Gooch for me. What about you? You know what? That I when you say nobody saw that one coming, yeah, I did not see that coming because I had Anthony Pettis or uh, Sergio Pettis bet pre-fight, and I had a bunch of people message me after the third round. They they hit the live bet. And they're like, dude, you're the best. I bet this because you told me you thought he was going to win. I thought he was going to win pre-fight. I didn't think he was going to win after three rounds. <laughs> like, he's down three rounds. He hasn't done anything. He's getting taken down by Horiguchi. He's getting outstruck by Horiguchi. And uh, the Pettis brothers got some magic in the tank, man. Mind it be some car wheel kick. It might be some run off the cage kick to the face. It might be any crazy move. Sergio Pettis got a little crazy move in the back pocket, and he goes and he hits him with, a spinning back fist. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was pretty crazy. To be honest with you, if you were talking in the grand scheme, this is the MMA awards, it's not the UFC awards. That was probably the biggest comeback for sure. I, I ended up going with Chandler versus uh, Charles Oliveira because I thought he was done. I thought he was done. You know what? There goes my money, Charlie Oliveira. You can also make a similar argument, him versus Justin Poirier. Knocked down twice in the first round, wobbled three more times in the first round. He looks done. And he comes back and gets the job done. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, both pretty, pretty good comebacks. One guy takes a sustained beating for 15 minutes and comes back. That's probably where it's at. This is a guy who takes a beating for two, three minutes and is able to turn the tide. So not quite as drastic. Um, yeah, both good selections. I think you probably got me again on that one. I think Sergio probably was the bigger comeback. Uh, with some pretty, pretty crazy stuff. That's another category we should have added was like what was that move of the year what was that one move was it that spinning back i mean i feel like that's gonna be talked about when we get to knockout of the year because there are some moves in there that's true that's true my i i got a different knock of the year but i'll let you know right now if we were talking moves of the year there was one move that didn't quite get the knockout didn't quite get a submission but if it happened to me i would have fucking tapped so goddamn fast. No way a regular human being would have been able to put up with this shit. When Dante Mays power <laughs> fucked Josh Parisian's face. Oh, whoa. I don't know what that felt like. I don't want to know what that felt like. But little Cody would have been fucking out of there. That's for goddamn shit. I mean, he's got to get the knockout. He's, he's probably bang, pretty close. He's banging his cup, which is like a piece of plastic against someone's skull. Highly illegal. Yeah, but what's I like what's this, under I like that, Dante, what's under that cup of fucking I like Dante Mays. I like Dante oh Mays headbutt to the body, which I think should be legal. If it's you're if you're Sambo. dumb enough it's to headbutt Sambo. somebody to the body, if you're dumb enough to do it, you know, risking you getting knocked out by doing it versus somebody's body, I think it should be fair game. That seems like a fair trade off to me. Yeah, I don't think you can knock yourself out because, again, it's a Russian Sambo move, and you'll see a lot of these guys that are inexperienced Russian fighters, they'll try to get away with it. And the ref will be like, what are you doing? But they'll do it in Sambo all the time. And whereas it sounds stupid, think about it if you're Mark Coleman, right? It's always his philosophy because he was a big headbutt guy. Is If you're a big power wrestler, you take this guy down, you can pin him down. Both your arms on both his arms, right? You stack him. His legs aren't going anywhere. It's basically you have no weapons available. He has no weapons available. You just start headbutting him. It'd be the same thing here. Like, 
I know it sounds, uh, how much power can you generate with a headbutt to the body? But I bet you don't feel good, dude. I bet you don't feel good having someone's dome smashing you right in the cranium, smashing you in the ribs. Look at Cesar Ferreri taps on like a small little knee to the body, right? Who to thunk it? It's like sometimes these little moves, they just, they, they cause damage. They get you in the right spot. But uh, yeah, I'm going to agree. It's probably not the most effective move going. And so, yeah, let it, let it go down. It should be a good move. All right. Jim. You want to soccer kick someone in the body, right? That's a fair move. Just can't do it in the head. Don't headbutt the guy in the head. Headbutts headbutt to the body. the body. You could headbutt the their leg, leg. if you want, I guess. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere. Yeah, you just can't headbutt their head. Seems pretty fair to me. It's a, it's a yeah, fair it's trade-off. Fair. If you're willing to do that, I think if, like, if I was the one receiving, I'd be like, well, there's a better chance of him, like, you know, giving himself some damage here. Jared Brooksing himself in this type of situation. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, all right, a little bit more of a boring topic here, gym of the year. I didn't, I mean, this is one of those lazy topics that I, I basically just, you know, wrote down because I saw that's what they do at other award shows. The list that I've got here, you got Sanford, you got ATT, you got City Kickboxing. I mean, it's tough to give City Kickboxing it when Izzy lost to Yawn. Was that in 2021? Yep. Yeah, that was in 2021. So it's tough to give it to them, even though Volkanovski's kind of established himself as the featherweight king. Um, Sanford, they just have so many fires. Same with ATT. I mean, on the the, the main awards show that they that they have out there, ATT won. I'll go with Sanford because they're newer. But uh, kind of a throwaway topic here. It's a total throwaway topic. I went with American Top Team, actually. I just think, again, you're going by numbers, not necessarily specific results. They've got so many guys in the gym that, of course, a bunch of them are going to come out positive on the other side. And then, no, Dustin Poirier just came up short for a title fight. Manny Nunes just lost her title. But even, like, Peter Jan's there now. You know what I mean? Like, the gym just high-level talent walk in on a day-to-day basis. World champion walk in on a day-to-day basis. And very few people go to ATT and make a regression in their game. When you look at the other MMA award shows, the stupidest categories of all time, they'd be like, leading man of the year, Dana White. It's like, yeah, okay, well, who else is going to be Dana White for leading man of the year? <laughs> that's, Ask yourself that's that. the dumbest. Right, it's never going to happen. Right. And then they used to have a uh, clothing company of the year, Tap Out. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, right. This Tap show is brought to you by <laughs> Tap Out. <laughs> <laughs> like, give your fucking head a shake, pal. Yeah. Sponsor um, of the year for right. this, for the, for our show here is DraftKings Sportsbook. Draft Sportsbook. Make sure you sign up using the code DOP for, I don't know what the giveaway is right now, but I bet you it's great. Uh, you can bet on... I don't fuck, I forget. That was I read last an ad read a couple days ago. Yeah, I don't know. It's $150 for a $5 bet. I want to say NBA, but are they playing basketball right now? Who, who knows? what's know. By the time people actually see this show, right. Cody... The world may be over. You know, this may be like the last piece of content that ever comes out. Um, yeah, well, the, the way the I world, we the world that we live in these then. days, you know, you can never, you can never be too sure too far in advance of anything really happening. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Well, yeah, Jim of the Year, toss up. Who knows? I'm going to go with American Top Team, but uh, I'm sure there's many, many good answers as well. Upset of the Year, the fight that made me most upset this year was Amanda Nunez. Uh, inside the distance uh, as the second leg of the laser-guided heat-seeking missile not coming through, me having to pay for all of my gifts for, you know, Pat's kids, all of my nieces and nephews, my mom. All of my gifts were supposed to be paid by the bookie, and Nunez did not 
come through with her end of the deal. And I mean, you know, when you look back, I was talking to Pat about it. When you look back at, you know, some of the biggest upsets in UFC history, it's like Ronda Rousey at the time by the numbers was one of the biggest upsets of all time. But when you look at it in hindsight, you're like, Holly Holm ended up being just really good and a terrible stylistic matchup as long as she could maintain distance and uh, and outstrike um, for Ronda Rousey. So, obviously, I still kind of feel like I was underestimating Pena 100%. I didn't expect her to look like Larry Holmes dropping jabs on her at will um, <laughs> in round two. There, <laughs> like that was That was not part of the equation that ever went through my brain. Um, I guess the idea of her, of Amanda gassing, but like, yeah, upset of the year, upset of women's MMA history, potentially is Nunez Pena. It's gotta be. Yeah. I'm going to flat out agree on this one. I'm going to say, uh, the upset of the year is definitely Juliana Pena over Amanda Nunez. The greatest upset of all time would be Matt Sarah over George St. Pierre. My humble opinion. The second biggest upset of all time would be this. And then the third biggest upset. I guess it would be Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. Again, the Ronda Rousey one has a lot more hindsight, but Ronda Rousey was a fad, man. She would armbar girls in like 40 seconds, and it was mid-level talent, right? It was the Sarah McMahons. Well, she need her to the body. She fought Betch Cohea, another knockout. Uh, she fought uh, Alexis Davis. Like, come on, man. These guys, this wasn't the elite-level wins. It's just she was popular. She was good-looking by other people's standards, and – uh, she would finish fights really fast and Demi Lovato back when she was still in shape would attend her fights and put it up on Instagram and all this and that. Like, I think it was more the marketing machine behind it when she lost. Realistically, she just lost to one of the greatest female boxers of all time. Who's a credible kickboxing champion who was undefeated three, and zero in the UFC at the time. Like, it, yeah, yeah. It was an upset by the odds. It was upset. People didn't see it coming, but yeah, I don't know that that had that same sting. George versus Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah won a reality show up a weight class. The guy's a 55er who joins the ultimate fighter, the comeback. Okay. He beats Chris Lytle in the finals. Like, and I'm glad my boy. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, this, the cast wasn't exactly real heavy. He's a 10 to one underdog. George doesn't even train for the fight and he catches him. He knocks him out. George Champagne, greatest of all time. Yeah. That's some crazy shit. That's, that's way bigger. This George was established. You knew George was George, right? Ronda wasn't established. It was a fat. Nunez seemed established. She beat Ronda, right? She beat Cyborg. She beat Holly Holm. Head kicked her in the first round just to make a statement. She's coming off. You know, we talked about submission of the years with pretty submissions. You know, her triangle choke over Megan Anderson was dirt. You know, it was, a, it was yep. a nice little triangle choke for sure. Problem is, is that it's Megan Anderson, right? It doesn't, it doesn't carry the same weight, even though it was a nice submission victory. <clears throat> but I mean, what's there not to like about Amanda Nunez? And, uh, Fuck, man. I mean, my dad called it. My dad called it in real time. They're walking down, and he, she's she's holding the little baby. And, oh, they got the baby. He's like, oh, it's over for her. I was like, yeah, you don't know nothing, old man. Old man was right. It was over for her. She mentally checked out on her way to the octagon. It was like, I'm a family woman now. I'm a mother now. I have money now. Oh, who's this? I'm a 10-to-1 favorite over her. I'll blow her out in the first round. But if I don't blow her out in the first round, I actually have a septum problem. I can't really breathe out of my nose to begin with. I have bad cardio. I didn't train overly hard for this fight. Oh, this choke's only half on. Jan Blockowitz taps it. Frustrating, frustrating, but a huge upset. So going to have to go with Juliana Pena, biggest upset of the year. The NFL season's winding down in the playoffs. We'll be here before you know it. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official 
sports betting partner of the NFL, the offers are getting even more amazing. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Do not miss out on this action. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still be a part of the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code DOP, bet just $5 on any NFL team, and win $200 in free bets if they are victorious. That's promo code DOP this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. KO of the year. Just want to give some shouts to, uh, I know this was it wouldn't be allowed for, but Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley. Very, very recently. I mean, and the reaction. So many people just so mad that Tyron Woodley would get knocked out. Calling it it rigged. (laughs) Calling it rigged. Like, if it was rigged, Tyron Woodley went out the honorable way there. That guy got folded. Absolutely full. But obviously that's not how you throw. Yeah, you don't throw a fight like that. No, you, get you absolutely save some and face at least. They're like, oh, well, he, he barely threw anything in the first five rounds and still won. It's just like Tyron Woodley always basically throws nothing. That's exactly how Tyron Woodley fights. So I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to squash a whole bunch of the rumors and all that jazz that I see out there about that fight. Tyron Woodley got folded. He's never been a boxer. He's obviously way at the end of his career. Hopefully he got paid because, I mean, I, I saw Le'Veon Bell call him out, so... Maybe maybe they can make that fight happen. Maybe Tyron yeah, you know what? Tyron's in a great is in a great spot. <clears throat> he got paid, you know, half a million dollars. He, got, he apparently got paid two million dollars for the first Paul fight. I don't believe it, but apparently got paid big money. And then the second Paul fight, they need him on short notice, so you know he got paid decent. I don't think he got paid as much as the first, but even if he made half of it, made a million dollars, these are these are the two biggest paydays for Ty- Tyron Woodley. Never made that kind of money in the UFC, so <clears throat> good on him, but. Yeah, dude, I think it's absolutely hilarious. People that have never fought before, sitting at home, they're watching it, and they're all of a sudden just like, you know, conspiracy theorists. They know everything. And I just, the funniest takes I saw was people being like, he's an MMA fighter, man. He knows how to take a punch. Like, no, nobody knows how to take a punch. Are you kidding me? You know how to avoid taking a punch. Once the that hand, baby slams the into hand you, signals. There were hand signals. And she's like, no, he's flinching. <laughs> You know what? You 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 posted that video. You, I saw it uh, I don't know, half like, hour before I came on here. But uh, you like you posted offering. that video on Twitter. The guy explaining it. You know, he's just like, look how he turns his wrist, then he hits it. Do you remember? Well, of course you remember because you're no G. But uh, remember Vitor Belfort, Luke Rockhold, mm-hmm. spinning wheel kick, right? So do you remember Vitor nods and then Luke nods back <laughs> and then he eats his fucking? Do you do you think Luke was telling him? Now's the time. <laughs> Have, Nobody wants to eat a spinning wheel kick in the face, Paul. It doesn't exist. That's not how you throw a fight. Yeah. You fucking get submitted. You crumple over. You wait for the referee to save you. You don't get absolutely KO'd. Then they'd say, oh, well, he's faking it. He's planking. He just did it on purpose. The human body doesn't fall like that without your hand would come down. 
your body would naturally try to protect itself from just going sack of potatoes, dead weight, crumple on the fucking ground. He's out cold. You don't fix a fight by losing consciousness, by causing, he's 40. You know the damage that, that could have caused to his brain? You, do you think he does it on purpose? No, get the fuck out of here with that shit. But you're right, dude. A lot of people think it's a fix. Oh, man, my it's... Facebook exploded. I got shitty little <laughs> promoters on Facebook my Facebook exploded. who are like, this is a fixed fight. You're like, holy fuck, man, man. I can't believe people think that was a word. That was Tyron Woodley pulling a Tyron Woodley. He sucks. He's over the hill. He shot and he got hit. And, and that's why he was selected by Jake Paul twice of course, to come of in course, and lose. Twice. He's a hand-picked opponent. Dude fought at 170 in the UFC, okay? Paul weighs, what, 195 pounds? What yeah. are they fighting at? 192 or something? Yeah. Like, it's a mismatch. Woodley, Woodley comes off the couch. He was he probably wasn't training at all. He just knew he didn't have to cut weight or didn't have yeah. to cut much weight to just show up yeah. on fight day and, and, you know, roll the dice. I mean, he's not even rolling the dice. It's like he's getting paid more oh. than he would for a UFC fight. The first time they fought, it was like, oh, man, he could have knocked Jake Paul out, but it's a fix, so he chose <laughs> not to. And that's why when he fell in the ropes... Uh, like they, they didn't believe it then. Then he loses a second time. It's, oh, it's a fix. Like, then don't watch it, man. People are so fucked. And if you're extra salty because you bet on Tyron Woodley in the second time, come on. Yeah. Give your head a shake. Fool now, me take once, it from me. Shake. I had the fight go in the distance. <laughs> so I was wrong as well. But yeah, there's a lot I, of people. I thought Paul a lot of people were on, that, were on that prop, to be perfectly honest. I stayed away yeah, from it because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen yeah. when these two guys get in there this time. But yeah, we actually went way off track there. Knockout of the year. Um, there's some here's, here's some of the contenders, I would say. We got uh, Sanhagen versus Edgar. Uh, Prochaska versus Reyes. Of course, my computer... <laughs> go screen off right at the moment when I'm reading that. Um, all right, Yuri, yeah, Yuri versus Reyes, Usman baptizing Masvidal, and Bahamondes versus Roberts. I thought that spinning back, uh, spinning back kick was pretty, pretty awesome. It's probably not going to win because the level of the fight it didn't put him into the stratosphere. I'm gonna go with Yuri. Yuri kind of Yuri's a guy who really put himself into a good position this year. He only fought, what, once, but winning that fight puts him, like, right in line to fight for a title here, which you go back two years, this guy was on nobody's radar. Yeah, yeah, Yuri's definitely come a long way. I mean, he's a shit-eating wild man, so when you get in the ring and you throw that kind of uh, high-velocity power, anything can happen. Yeah, he's a KO machine. Uh, if you want to talk about best KO of the year, just on a one singular picture, you got to go with Marlon Vera over Frank Yeager. However, I went with Ignacio Bahamondes versus Roosevelt Rob. Did you? Oh, that, oh my God, dude. There's, there's five seconds left in the fight and I got a Bahamondes decision prop and like, there's no need to throw a wheel kick. You've clearly won this fight. You've won all three rounds of this fight yeah. and he throws a wheel kick with like five seconds left and just freezes a motherfucker straight up in midair. That was crazy. I don't care the level. That was crazy. Bahamondes is like 22 years old. Coming out party for him. Roosevelt Roberts obviously turned out to be a bit of a fraud this year. Yeah, you know, end of the road probably seems near for him. But uh, it's a spinning wheel kick, man. And it was on point. Now, we have seen a few other spinning wheel kicks this year. But nothing that just froze up a guy midair like that. So, uh, I had to go with Ignacio Bahamondes. That was some crazy stuff. That was. All right. 
Uh, breakthrough Fighter of the Year. Interesting category. I know who you're picking. You're picking Chris Curtis, I imagine. Well, what's the my pick? I don't know. That's I mean, at the actual like MMA World MMA Awards, they pick Brandon Moreno. It's like Moreno fought one time. People who yeah, have been watching knew this kid was good, and especially that he's he's really grown in the last year. My argument, my my pick is actually Cyril gone because I don't okay. think he was all that popular coming into this year. He did knock out JDS in round two kind of put him on the map, but people are like, you know, is this guy actually good or is JDS just completely washed? Now he's right up there. He's a pick against Francis Ngannou. Um, I think the breakthrough fighter of the year, especially, you know, considering that this guy could end up becoming the heavyweight champion of the world is uh, Cyril gone for me. What about you? Okay, so that's what it comes down to criteria, right? I went... On a personal level, biased opinion, obviously, I went uh, with Chris Curtis, right? I think Chris Curtis, you, you got to factor in that this guy's 34 years old, right? He's had 30 pro fights. He's made zero money. The UFC signs him, short notice replacement for Phil Hawes, three to one underdog. He's had no success here, man. The UFC doesn't want him. They He got a, a Shawn Michaels sweet chin music KO on the contenders. They still didn't sign him. <clears throat> He's fought a dozen UFC veterans outside of the promotion. They still don't want him. What more can he do? He's on record saying he's got about $40 in his bank account. He's 34 years old. He has a child that he left behind in Ohio to go to Las Vegas and train full time. His life is going to be seen as a failure. His career is going to be seen as a failure. His peers are going to judge him on the fact that, oh, you pursued a dream your whole life and never made anything. He signs a short notice opportunity to take on Phil Haas, takes a 12 and 12, agrees to take a base minimum pay on a one fight deal. Okay. That's 24000 because he wins. He got another $6,000 from, from Venom. That's $30,000. He got a $50,000 KO to the night bonus. $80,000. Renegotiates with the UFC. Takes a 20 and 20. Wins a second fight. Short notice. Up a weight class again. Against Brandon Allen. Pockets another 40 there. Takes another six from Venom. Takes another $50,000 fight of the night bonus. <clears throat> he goes from essentially never had a shot in the UFC. No name. No reputation. Casual fans don't know who he is. You know how many people I saw um, betting against him? And this is what the reasoning was. Dude, he's 34 and he hasn't made the UFC yet. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? He's had bad, bad luck. Bad things go against him. Have you ever watched Contender Series? Dana picks the wrong people all the time. He's like, oh, I really like that knockout. And just like, but didn't you, like, uh, who was the... Uh, Brendan Loggain, and just like he could, he could fight in the UFC in terms of the level of yeah, quality of competition that comes onto the show. But for whatever reason, he didn't want him that day because his fight went to decision. So, yeah, Dude, it's, who is that, that shows Russian less... guy? Sorry, who what? is that Russian guy on this season? Big old Russian, like two forty, and just mauled this guy, and they didn't sign him. They didn't even. They just let him go. Kale Barlow, he uh, beat. Uh, they signed him, but uh, didn't he test? They Did signed him positive? the second time. They made him fight another, like, they made him move up a weight class and take another fight, like, two oh, yeah, weeks yeah. later to get a shot. Like, why are you signing these guys? You know, he smashed Aaron Jeffries in his first fight. Good enough. They were going to sign Aaron Jeffries. Just, most of it doesn't make sense, right? Nope. When I think of all the trials and tribulations that Chris Cruz has gone through <clears throat> to be viewed as a failure by his, his peers, to have never made it, to now, in the span of six weeks, make $200,000, make a name for yourself, make a reputation, all that validation, this guy finally broke through. 
not just broke through in the UFC, broke through in life, broke through in his career, broke through in everything he's dedicated himself to, has to be the breakthrough fighter of the year. However, two people honorable mention. If you're talking about a women fighter of the year, breakout fighter, Manon Fioro. She's gone 3-0 this year. She's looked awesome. What about she's come out of left field. Say it again. What about Lamas? Uh, Amanda oh. Lemos. No, because she just robbed Angela. Oh, Hill, I don't know about that. That's well, you pretty- thought she won? It was a close fight. It was a close fight. I'm not gonna. I said I was holding. I was. I was here. Here's how I look at him. People always. (laughs) Yeah. People always. I mean, there's so many people on Twitter that it's objectively this or it's objectively that. All I could say is that I had Angela Hill by decision prop plus five hundred, and I felt good with my bet when it went to the cards because I said it is close enough that this isn't a twenty. 20, uh, 2080 proposition at this point. This is probably pretty 50 50. I thought I, I lean towards Lamosh getting round three, to be perfectly honest, uh, especially when you realize that the spinning back elbow landed flush on her arm and not like it wasn't actually a knockdown. The you spinning I mean? back elbow wasn't the end all be all of that round. I think the last 90 seconds where Angela Hill put her foot on the gas, landed some decent punches, pressed forward and was the one trying to make it up. I thought that was the decisive factor. It's fair. But I think same, it was close enough that I didn't think it was like the robbery of the century. But yeah, yes. you see it on Twitter all the time. It's mostly yeah. whatever's lining people's pockets. They start calling it robbery. It's just like sometimes fu- sometimes fights are just close. You have really, really close results. You want to, over over time, you want to be sitting there with a, if it's a really, really close decision, you want to be sitting there with the plus money side of any of those situations because eventually they're going to fall on your side as well. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I know people are upset and it could have gone this way, could have gone that way. I do a lot of the time go by MMA decisions to be like, well, what do the media members have it as? Not that they're the smartest guys out there, but they're a little bit unbiased. Not a lot of these media members are betting from the cage, right? So anyways, uh, it was it's 10 to 1. 10 of them have Angela Hill. One of them have Amanda Lemos. Amanda Lemos had beaten low-level opposition in the UFC prior to the fight with Angela Hill. She's a minus 350 favorite over Angela Hill, and she squeaks by by the skin of her teeth on a split decision. She's not the breakout fighter of the year, I don't think. Manofia Rowe just walks right through everybody. Her striking looks solid. Her grappling is striking. She looks solid. Just to wrap up this conversation real through, though. So... I did take Chris Curtis. You took, would you take for a breakout? Surreal gone. Surreal gone. The real answer is likely neither of what we took. The real answer is likely Islam Makachev. So Islam Makachev didn't even fight in 2020. Okay. From Mm -hmm. 2019, he beat Davi Ramos. That was his last win. Davi fucking Ramos. ADCC competitor, completely irrelevant in the UFC. Doesn't fight once in 2020. Starts off 2021 by beating Drew Dober with a submission. He comes uh, and beats Tiago Moises, fourth round rear naked choke. He comes back and he blows through Dan Hooker in less than three minutes. He's gone from a win over Dobby Ramos, over 12 months off, non-relevant in the division, to possibly being one of the number one contenders in the division. Nobody wants to fight him. He's on an absolute roll, and he did all of that in 2021. Is the breakthrough fighter. You know I love... Curtis knows my boy. I love to support, you know, the, the, Habir, the Habird fam, but beating Dan Hooker doesn't get you a title fight. Now, I know that Habib is... Two, two minutes into the first round. He's smart. Yeah, like, that's beating dope Dan way to beat Hooker a guy. doesn't Hooker. get you a title fight. I mean, they should do they should do Makachev versus Gaethje. And then the Gaethje winner don't can fight. Gaethje, Gaethje don't want that. No, Gaethje no, it's not that Gaethje don't want that. Right 
Yes, it's that Gaethje's earned more than that. If, imagine if you're Justin Gaethje, you get paid almost a million dollars per fight. And they're saying, <laughs> oh, hey, we want you to fight Islam Makachev. He doesn't got the name. He doesn't got the reputation. And Justin Gaethje goes out there and puts on thrilling fights for the fans, right? If you look at his fight with Michael Johnson, fight of the year. His fight with Dustin Poirier, fight of the year. Fight with Eddie Alvarez, fight of the year. Fight with Michael Chandler, maybe fight of the year. His fight with Khabib, not that good. You know why? Because it's a different style. The guy don't want to stand in front of you and chuck bombs. Makachev don't want to stand you and chuck bombs. And that's kind of, Gaethje doesn't want to just chuck bombs. I just, he wants a thrilling fight for the fans. I don't know that he'd be super excited for that fight in particular, but he deserves a title fight more. And I think when you think of him versus Charles Oliveira, woo, I love the prospect of that for sure. No doubt about it. But all I'm saying is Islam's not far off, right? He's, he doesn't, he's quietly gone three and zero in 2021 with three stoppages all three by submission. And again, I'm just saying he didn't even compete in 2020. He went from a win over Davi Ramos irrelevant to we're even talking about, should he fight Gaethje? Like that's, that's, that's big progression, man. That's huge progression. And so I would large. think in, 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 in that regard, he definitely broke through this year. All right, let's move on. Cause we talked about a whole bunch of things besides breakthrough fight of the year all the way through. But I thought that was actually probably one of our better segments, to be perfectly honest. And we were on the the topic of Gaethje. This one's a super easy one. Fight of the year. If you have anything other than Gaethje Chandler, then, like, you didn't watch Gaethje Chandler because that was one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. That that goes down there with, like... um, With Marco Polo Reyes versus... Versus uh, Dun Young Kim, but not that Dun Young Kim, the other Dun Young Kim, Dun Young Young Ma, Ma. which he switched his name to later when he, (laughs) when us, you know, when us Westerners got way too confused uh, by the entire situation. I mean, fight of all time potentially, Gaethje Chandler. Just what a wild, what a wild mess that all of us like. That's why we tune into fights. That's why you tune into fights, man. It's these crazy moments for sure. I didn't actually go with Gaethje Chandler. Oh my God, my, uh, what is wrong with you? No, I know. My answer is going to be really out of left field. People are probably going to complain about it. But uh, I, I went with Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz too. Maybe it was just I was having a heart palpitation. Maybe I was on cocaine. But it was a crazy fight, man. <laughs> this is that? a crazy fight. What? This is what, a... what, dude? In the comments section, let the, the people have to let. Like, that, that was... I thought it was more sad because Nick Diaz just clearly didn't have anything in, in the tank anymore. Nah, dude, the first round he threw like 176 strikes. It was crazy. This guy's a guy, he's, like, he's landing on Robbie Lawler left, right, and center. He's bopping him. I'm like, holy shit. Power, Mind you, I shape. bet Robbie Lawler. No, everyone's sad because of the pre-fight, you know, him shadow boxing. Everyone's sad because he showed up on the scales looking like a sack of milk. Like, yeah, that was all sad. The fight itself, dude, that first round, these guys went toe-to-toe. Now, I'll admit, the nostalgia gets to me a little bit more. But this is truthfully, a, which way is this thing going to go? Who's going to outlast the other? Now, nobody's ever outlasted Nick Diaz. So that first round, it seems like things are going to go towards Diaz. But Robbie Lawler showed classic Robbie Lawler. He just put his head down, came forward, and came after him the whole time. It was vintage from both guys. Unfortunately, Diaz had been off the sidelines for a decade just didn't have it anymore, and Robbie eventually broke him. It's an anticlimactic end to a crazy good fight, I will admit. But here was kind of my thing, right? Gaethje versus Chandler. The first round's ultra-competitive. The second and third round, mind you, I had Justin Gaethje. 
I thought it was pretty straightforward. I thought he just kicked his ass, right? Yeah, there was some shots here and there, and there was some wobbled moments, but like we were we were in the we were in cruise control. Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. That's I see they got the listed ones here. That people that... Crazy fight, crazy fight, right? Right. Brian Ortega had one moment, right? The third round with the guillotine choke, and then he switched that guillotine choke into a, a quick little triangle choke, and then it was four rounds of Alexander Volkanovsky absolutely beating the shit out of him. So but everyone, there was more than one submission attempt that Ortega got. Well, the guillotine and the triangle choke, you yeah. know, I think those were the two real ones. Outside of that, it was, to me, it was one-way one traffic. Same round? I think they were both in the third round, yeah. Here's one that's a little <clears throat> bit off the radar. I think uh, Mason Jones versus David Onama was a great yeah, yeah. fight that is not going to end up on anybody's list. But I learned a lot about that Onamaka. I want, I'm looking forward to backing him because he looked tough as nails. He seems to have skills. That was not an easy debut fight to be making against Mason Jones, you know, a uh, cage warrior, court cage warriors champion in Mason Jones. Like that was that was a good performance for Onama. So keep your eye out for that kid in 2022. Crazy good performance for Onama. It's his UFC debut. Mason Jones, meanwhile, had a great fight against him. Mason Jones had a fight with Mike Davis. That was a fight of the year contender. Like they went absolute toe to toe. But again, when I think about my criteria, Gaethje Chandler outside of round one, crazy round one, you know, Gaethje takes over. Volkanovsky, he's in the driver's seat. Reyes versus Prochaska. Prochaska beat him so up. gave it good. to Robbie Lawler who took take took over and finished Nick Diaz gave it as fight of the year. Yeah. To me, it was some thrilling stuff, man. And, and, and you know what I almost went with, I almost went with Peter Yon versus Corey Sanhagen. I went that's, with that's another one because Yon, Yon won the first two rounds. Sorry. Uh, Sanhagen won the first two rounds and I got a lot of money here on Yon. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Yon supporter. I think he's the best in the world. And now he's just given his opponent two free rounds. So now he needs to win three straight and it's like this guy is the absolute terminator man it was a thrilling fight really good exchange of technique and the lighter weight class guys usually do show off the best you know they've got great gas tank they can fight for 25 full minutes it's a crazy exchange of technique both ways both guys just absolutely fought you know tooth and nail that's an excellent fight the old guys one of them fell apart kind of late kind of quit yeah is that as good as a fight maybe not but I've been around this game for a long time, dude. And that's the shit that still gets me excited. That's the shit that still gets me revved up. Like I, we watch 13, 14 fight cards every week and they're good cards every week. The action is, is bomb. What gets your blood flowing? What wakes you up in the morning and you think, Oh fuck, it's fight day. Do you still get that? Or are you desensitized? I'm largely desensitized. Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz, those big moments. <laughs> You feel it in your balls, Paul. You feel it in your balls when you wake up in the morning. It's fight day. I don't get fight week anymore. I don't. People wake up on Monday. They'll tweet it out. They'll be like, it's fight week. Like, dog, a lot of time to go before the fights happen, right? I get fight day. Do I wake up Saturday morning and do I feel it in the boom boom? Yeah, that's what Diaz Lawler did for me. And that's what keeps me coming back, man. And so, uh, yeah, not the popular opinion by a long shot, I bet. But that was I, I took that as fight of the year. All right, female, female fighter of the year. I mean, it's probably got to be Shevchenko or Rose. I'm going to mail this one in a little bit. I can go with Shevchenko. I can go with Shevchenko. She didn't really fight anybody, but we saw growth in her in her grappling ability that I started being able like, to uh, Shevchenkov. Started being able to post uh, <laughs> yeah. memes of her with a beard because I think we saw... A, a real step in her game, whereas, you know, Rose versus Wiley was really, really close the second time around. Obviously, she had the knockout of Wiley Zhang, but she fought the same fighter twice. And I know, yeah, for 
Shevchenko, she's clearly cleaned out the division, but arguably has become the greatest women's fighter in the world um, with, with, her, with Nunez struggling and, and falling off her pedestal after all of these years. So I'm going to give it to Shevchenko. A lot of people give it to Rose. What about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I went with Rose as well. I think uh, you look at the both of them, they're 2-0 each a pair. But when you look at Shevchenko, she fights Jessica Andrade as a 5-1 to favorite. Okay, so she's supposed to go out there and get the job done pretty effortlessly. She goes out there and gets the job done pretty effortlessly. Then they book her against Lauren Murphy, where she is effectively a minus 1,600 favorite. Yeah, but the, like, the Andrade one, the Andrade 16. one, that just shows so, how great she is. Because if, <laughs> yeah, they, did, if they did she's Andrade versus Rose, what do you think the line would be on that fight? Based 50, 50. on based We've on their history, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, either she Rose absolutely it. picks her apart standing, or she gets dumped on her head gave, and gets already, KO'd. Yeah, we don't have to give Rose this award. We already gave Whitman the. Uh, you know, we we've got that gym. We've got that gym taken care of on the award ceremonies this year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. When I look at Rose, the reason why I gave it for her is her first fight of the year. Wiley Zhang, she knocks her out in like a minute and a half, like flawless victory, cruising the park, and then they rebook a second fight, and it's gut check man it's gut check it's 2-2 going into the fourth the fifth this is a close fight this is a who wants it more who's championship caliber who's gonna deep down dig down into the bag of tricks and pull one more out there and rose did that she used her grappling effectively effectively in the latter half of the fight got the job done it was huge got the victory not just you better that was a huge card for us uh that was the uzman covington card Absolutely huge moment. Great to get that Rose nominee in his victory. Everybody's pumped up. Ally Quinta, quite literally the one person that fucked up that event. But it's like you went from knocking this girl out to being a drag him out 25-minute hard war, right? You can do it the one way. You can do it the other way. She showed the heart of a champion. She showed skills of a champion. She did it all. I mean, I, I think really when you're Rose Namajunas and they give you the number two girl in the world, that's going to bring the best out of you. And the best did come out of her. Problem with Valentina, very similar to a, a Juliana Pena. Sorry, a Amanda Nunez. You're fighting like the number six or seventh girl in the world. You're not fighting the number one challenger. You're not fighting the number two contender. You're just fighting somebody that they're just throwing in there with you. So there's an expectation that you should win, and they should win. And Amanda Nunez could have finished Juliana Pena in the first round, let's say, and it would have been just another joke. Okay, another joke. Ha ha. Thing is, she didn't finish her in the first, and then she gassed out because mm-hmm. I just don't think she took the fight all that seriously, right? So, in my opinion, it's different when you're can crushing. And I'm not saying Laura Murphy's a can. I'm saying she's a can in comparison to Valentina Shevchenko. Rose is one of the very few champions that can say, I fought the absolute best. And when we talk about male fighter of the year, you know, Usman's in the conversation because he went 3-0. and But again, outside of fighting Colby Covington... George Mazadal's the number six guy in the world. You know, Gilbert the Burns Covington is the number seven guy in the world. Covington is the number two guy in the world. Fighting him means something. What Rose did meant something. So I did give Rose Namajunas the female fighter of the year. All right. Well, we'll jump into male fighter of the year. Who do you got? So male fighter of the year. I, I, I Okay. So I went with Charles Oliveira, right? The reason why I went with that is because it's, it all comes down to expectation, man. When you look at what Charles did, he draws a fight with Michael Chandler, where he is a even money favorite, like even money pick. I don't think anybody really expects Charles Oliveira to go there and necessarily beat him up. Uh, it's a close fight. Chandler's got all types of dynamite in his hands. He's the former Bellator champion. This is a, this is a good spot, tough spot. He gets hurt early. He comes back and he gets the win. Now they rebook him against 
against Dustin Poirier, and he comes in as an under as an underdog. So this is two tough fights against two of the best guys in the division. You're not given your respect either time. Nope. He's even money against Chandler, and he's an underdog against Dustin Poirier. Crazy, but he pulls it off. He's a lightweight champion. He, he bonifies that title. Both, both of them. Finishes both of them in spectacular fashion and leaves no doubt. And I know after the Chandler fight, because everyone always talked about, uh, is, does he quit? Does he quit? Does he quit? And then you and I spoke after the Chandler fight. And it was like, those days are over. Mm-hmm. And you yet people still talked about that in the Poirier fight. And he does it again. That's digging deep. That's heart of a champion. Solidifies himself as the bonafide number one 155 pounder on the planet. It actually makes an interesting case for why Khabib should come back. Because do you want to see Khabib fight Poirier again? No. Who gives a shit about that? Do you want to see Khabib fight Justin Gaethje again? No. No, trust me. I seen it. It was a walk in the park. This guy shows you there's something still there. There is something. Yeah, there is an interesting intrigue to a a fight. Because where does Khabib want the fight to go? Up against the cage, down on the mat. And it's just like that's where even Charles sets up a lot of of his submissions like jumping on your back when you're up against the cage so it's like a lot of the things that charles does great are where yeah he exploits areas that habib you know exploits as well for his personal gain so it is the most interest i think habib you know as as the old t-shirt says if sambo was easy it'd be called jujitsu not that not not (laughs) (laughs) charles Oliveira is my fighter of the year as well i saw that uh, kamara usman was the uh, you know the everyone's pick this year and three and oh, hundred percent he had a great great year the Masvidal rematch I kind of like just tossed that one aside I think it's Charles Oliveira as well for a lot of the same re- reasons that you said um, but yeah Habib smashes Habib smashes everybody but there would be intrigue because who knows how much how much how much time would Habib need to get like back into I'm gonna make hundred and fifty. 155 pounds shape like the guy hasn't been like his cheeks are looking yeah. pretty thin or uh pretty full these days uh the guy has not been you know skipping what? any uh any any meals that's 100 percent. yeah for sure and had you asked me three months ago i did go on record on saying this and i was adamant when i said it i believed it i don't believe it anymore but i believed it when i said it three months ago could be greatest of all time greatest of all time I don't believe it anymore, though. I don't believe it anymore because there was still challenges left. There's still a Charles Oliveira. There's still something to be, need to be done. 29-0. and 0. You don't want that one more? You don't want the 30-0? and 0? That kind of solidifies things. And all the other goats move up. Henry Cejudo went from 25 to 35. Connor went from, four, not that he's a goat, but he went from 45 to 55. Cormier went from 205 to heavy. Are you trying to say that? Mena Nunez went from 35 to 45. You know, Peter Yon will end up going to 45. All these guys eventually, all these women, men, whenever you eventually tap out that market, even John Jones is thinking about a move to heavyweight. You got to make that move up. Now, there's only one other guy in the greatest of all time conversation. Not Jones. He's a fucking cheater. It's George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre. And George did it, dog. George went up to 85. Yeah, but he waited he win for the worst middleweight He waited for a perfect time to go May. get that belt. Oh, Michael Bisping stumbles his <laughs> yeah. way into the belt. Know, I'm going to come back, get that belt, and then throw it in. It's just like, no, man. Habib's the, Habib's the greatest of all time. And you're starting to see that in – I mean, we, we coach of the year, we didn't even talk about Habib. 
but the the stable oh, yeah, of Russian yeah, killers yeah. that him and Javier yeah, Mendez yeah. are growing right now, we're going to be talking about a lot of that, I think. It's like with, with Habib and the guys that he corners, like I think that they have like their best performances because they are terrified of like upsetting brother Habib in their corner. Well, I think if most people are like, ah, you know, I'm just not feeling it today, but I'll go back to the gym on Monday. Here it's just like, oh, fuck, if I quit, they're never going to talk to me again. <laughs> like, I'm going to get disowned from my family. They're going to be waving, and I'm going to have a little wagon with an ox pulling it into the forest because I just got disassociated from my tribe. Like, nah, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of pride, a lot of honor there. But I don't know. I guess my only argument here is that Khabib went through a run of – some fighters. I think there's a lot of styles we want to see him fight. People want to see him fight Tony Ferguson, just never materialized. Hindsight wouldn't have really mattered, but Oliver is a great dude. fight. It would be a great fight, and I feel like yeah, that is the one be, fight that's like best. it the gives best. it gives the haters it gives the haters one more extra out. Which as a Habib nut hugger, I hate it. I still think Habib would win, but they've they've got an argument there. He does present a whole bunch of problems for a guy like Habib. Yeah, that's fair. Especially because he doesn't I, quit anymore. But that's does, that's does, the real does, deal. Does Habib? Does Habib? Uh, does he beat Colby Covington? I think so. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Takes him down. How do you think he beats him? He takes him down at he will. He takes him down at will. You think he takes him down at will? Is that what you just Daniel said? Cormier. I, I think. I think my. Uh, I think my. When he wrestles with Daniel Cormier, who's a freaking Olympian, he takes down Daniel Cormier. Um, uh, freaking buttons. heavyweight. Yeah, well, I've seen Daniel Cormier take Khabib down too. But uh, what I'm saying is, um, just to wrap up the argument while Charles is the guy, is that, yeah, so you beat Chandler, no one expects anything. It's a huge win. You beat Dustin Poirier, the underdog, it's a huge win. You have a huge profile. You've got the narrative of maybe you can draw Khabib out of retirement. All good. With Usman, meanwhile, the Gilbert Burns fight, he's a 3-1 to favorite. The George Mazadal fight, he's a 4-1 to favorite. And the Colby... Covington rematch, he's a minus 320 favorite. So you can never say you're expected to win an MMA just because so there's so many variances. Anything could happen. But beating three guys in which you're three to one favorites over all of them, four to one favorites over all of them, yeah, that's not as impressive to me. To me. So I had to go with Chucky Olives, who defied the odds and got the wins. Yeah, I went with him as well. But we just argued about uh about Habib for Khabib. for no real good reason whatsoever. All You're right, like Habib turned heel, man. He's a heel now. He no just way. talks all types of fucking shit online. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. That's it's Ali. like he's just got an opinion about everything all of a sudden. That's Ali. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. It's Ali Abdelaziz, like <laughs> like sparking likely. fights between like Gaethje. He's got both of the phones. He's he's you know he's responding between Gaethje and Habib on Twitter. Most likely. Well, I don't know. You've seen that Eagle FC, right? So they're launching in the States, and he's just like, no women weight classes. Nobody wants to watch that. Only a couple good ones. It's like, oh, classic Khabib. <laughs> like, that's how he thinks. That's yeah, what he's that's been taught the way to that believe, they were, right? That's just the way that they were raised. He's not necessarily wrong, by the way. However, they're still entertaining fights. Even if they're not elite, they're still fun to watch. It's just when your greatest of all time taps from a no-hook rear naked choke, that's what you're working with. All right. Usually other, other shows will stop there. You know, male fighter of the year. That's the most prestigious award. But uh, we've got a couple more here. Um, first up, worst fighter of the year. Cody asked for it. 
uh, on Twitter on the last event of 2021. So I think this one really comes down to two options. Harry Hunsucker, who was what? Hired off of, was he hired off of a loss? He may have been hired off of a loss. Either way, he got bounced on the Contender Series, came into the UFC, and he is first-round knockout fodder, you know, losing to Taitu Ivasa and uh, Justin Taffa, really helping out those Aussie boys, getting, you know, things up and running in Australia again with their fan base. Um, Harry Hunsucker came in and did the job twice, but I think the actual, you know, I think recency bias would lead people to think that is the worst fighter of the year. People will forget that they hired Nick Diaz's buddy, who hadn't fought in like four <laughs> years, come off the streets, take on Matthew Semmelsberger, and he was iced in like, what, 10, 15 seconds yeah, yeah, into yeah, the first seven. round. No, it was in Jersey. It's like the Jersey Commission yeah. had no business sanctioning that fight. Anybody who kind of looked at it, just like, I can't find tape on this guy. But he wasn't particularly good on the regional scene. I can only imagine uh, what's going to happen in this fight. Everybody kind of watches just like, oh, my God. How how did they sign this guy? Why did they sign this guy? Did, like, Diaz, like, did he, like, sleep with, like, Diaz's girlfriend or something? This was, like, some sort of punishment getting him onto the UFC card. So my vote is, yeah, Mar- what is it? Martin Sano Jr., right? Yeah. Uh, he was the worst fighter of the year. I can't, it's one of those ones that's like, it would be horrible. I can't, if they sign this guy for a second fight in the UFC, there's even more blood on their hands. You know what I mean? Like, at least Hunsucker got a second fight. He wasn't that bad. He just had bad heavyweight. So, no, it's just like they have no business re-signing him to fight anybody. Unless maybe, like, CM Punk comes back. I don't know. Yeah, dude, I think he might have showed me up again. I did put down Harry Hunsucker simply on the basis of, yeah, he lost on the Contender Series, first-round knockout. He had won a, a fight on the regional scene against a 4-3 and three guy in Kentucky. And then, yeah, he comes back and he lasts 46 seconds. And then he comes back and he lasts, like, less than two minutes against Tafa. So his run has been abysmal. He's got five pro losses, all five of them by knockout, all five of them in the first round, seven pro wins, all of them against guys with non-winning records in the sport. He's a bum. He's your quintessential heavyweight putts brought in to get his ass kicked in which he's done. He's been terrible. But you're right with Martin Sano because one thing that you can at least give Harry Hunsucker is as bad as he is, he came to fight, right? (laughs) He went at Ty Tui Boss and got knocked out in 46 seconds. He went after Jander Vandera on the Contender Series, landed a couple shots, got knocked out. He went at Justin Toffa, landed a couple shots, got knocked out. Martin Sano <laughs> hadn't fought in four years, shouldn't have been there, moving up a weight class, and uh, gets knocked out in 15 seconds. You know, in those things, it's like, dude, yeah, tell them I want to be on the cards. Like, all right, Martin, all right, dude. All right. Now, dude, let, let them know I want on the cards. Like, dude, I'll get you on this card, but you better not make me look bad. <laughs> He fucking made him look bad. Oh, man, that was bad. So I did, I did go Harry Hunsucker, but I think Martin Santos are a pretty good call. If you want to talk about worst female of the year on the roster, Gina Mazzani. Gina Mazzani. That loss to Priscilla Cachoeira really looks bad in hindsight. <laughs> now, but she had some like, wins leading into that, didn't she? Well, like that's why that's why she really. was like that's why she was esteemed favorite against uh catch a beating yeah i know i know and in hindsight it's like oh my god she was actually no she, she hadn't fought that favorite. was her only fight in 2021 
She had, was her only she fight had, in 2021. She had, she had beaten Rachel Ostovich by yeah. round three TKO, ground and pound, um, uh, in November of 2020. Yeah, so we're we're talking about not necessarily so a win over Ostovich and year. everyone it's who is like the worst three to one favorite in the division this year. Absolutely abysmal. Yeah, losing so, uh, losing yeah, to Cab say, is not a good look. No, 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 terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, do you have any other categories? Out a couple. I have I my last down. one on my list oh, yeah. here. Okay, Hit which me. is apple pie shitter of the year. Mm. And that is Raging Al Iaquinta, who decided that the first time he would ever get knocked out in his career was against Bobby Green, the decision machine. And, like, there's me and there's some other people on the interwebs that were, like, buying, like, vacation homes if the PRP had hit that week. And I believe Green, or Al was the only one who shit in the apple pie that day, wasn't it? You absolutely He were. cost me yep, so right. much money. I mean, we still had a good night because he was like deep. He was like, you know, leg 10 of like 13 or something like that. We still had a great night tailing uh, Cody's parlays. But those last, if if Ally Aquinta had came through, he's like, he's my modern day. Uh, who was that guy? Cost me all that money back in the day. Andy Ogle. Oh, he's uh, my Andy modern. Ogle. He's Andy the Ogle. modern day Andy Ogle where it's just like if – you know, gets gets bounced in the first round, gets finished. But when you look back on it in hindsight, it's just like that son of a bitch cost me a whole whack of money. But it is what it is. We had a pretty good year. Um, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a bad end. You know, the last December, for for instance, wasn't exactly great. gave gave a whole bunch back to the bookie, but you know. There's so many fight cards. There's always fights every single week. Once we get back into January, we'll be back on top of things. But yeah, Ally Quinta, you son of a bitch. Stick to real estate. Who's your apple pie shitter of the year? Briefly thought about him because, yeah, you're right. He missed out the one fight from a PRP. It's a 13 fight card. We go 12 for 13, the one Ally Quinta. Ah, how much more money could we have possibly won if Al would have done it? But. Not mad at Al because I hit a 100 to 1 parlay on that night. It was still a good night. The apple pie shitter of the year, my friend, is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because he did me fucking dirty two times. <laughs> Keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. Okay. UFC 264, Poirier versus McGregor. First fight, Zalga Zuma Gulov, Jerome Rivera. Well, we love Zalgas. We're on Zalgas. Guess the win. <clears throat> Brad Tavares versus Omari Akhmedov. Woo Brad just barely squeaked it through. But shit, we got the split decision. We're rolling. Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Jennifer Maya wins. Drake is Duplacis. Our boy takes out Trevin Giles. Oh, shit. Leah Tapuria smokes out Ryan Hall. Man, we love Tapuria. He's been really good for us this year. 5-0. and Michelle Pereira beats Nico Price. I actually went the other side of Nico Price, but that hadn't killed me. It was low end on the, on the confidence. Max Griffin beats Carlos Condit. I love it. We're high up on him. Sean O'Malley beats Chris Moutinho. We're high up on him. Irene Aldana beats Yannick Kunikea, tied to Ivasa, gets stanky-legged, and knocks out Greg Hardy. Paul, I am about to make a shit-kicking. And Stephen Wonderboy Thompson gets grinded out by Gilbert Burns. <laughs> shit wrestling, shit takedown defense, blows a fucking colossal ticket, dog. A colossal ticket. Now you fast-forward to last weekend, mm -hmm. Okay. We start off with Charles Jourdain gets the job done. Melissa Gatto as the underdog gets the job done. Justin Taffa 
I mean, that was pretty expected against Harry Hunsucker. Jaron Mearshart, he's he's from the jaws of defeat. He comes back. Fucking Lazarus from the dead comes back for us. Cub Swanson, like smooth, like butter. Matus Gamrot, you know, still pushing the pace. Ricky Simone, career best. <laughs> Wonderboy Thompson. Well, the Angela Hill fight came right before it. And whatever, they could have gone either way. The Again, the investment wasn't there. Wonderboy Thompson, co-main event, back-to-back events, huge tickets on the run. I just need to get through the co-main, and I hedge out on the main. I hedge out on the main. Yeah, you were always intending. Yeah, you were always intending to hedge out on the main. It's like you're fighting Derek Lewis. Dude, I would have made forty thousand dollars had Chris Dokus won the main event. Thing is, is I'm I've learned my lesson many times before. I wouldn't have let it go to a forty thousand dollar Chris Dokus. It would have been twenty twenty. I would have yep. went 20,000 if Derek Lewis wins. I make 20,000 if, if Chris Douglas wins. Beautiful end of the year. You know, you're the hero. Everybody loves it. Thompson, co-main event. Just need to get through it. Twice. Apple pie shitter of the year, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Fucking dead to me. Maybe he dead should to fight. me. Maybe he should box Woodley on like a Logan Paul under, or Lo- not even a Jake Paul, a Logan Paul undercard. That, that was actually full circle is like an hour after Woodley, uh, two hours after Stephen Wonderboy Thompson completely fucks me. His old, his old nemesis, Tyron Woodley can't get a win either. So it's the game. The game passes you by. Sometimes you just got to read the writing on the wall before uh, others. Gilbert Burns to me is elite level grappler and his wrestling's good. And he was able to neutralize Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Turns out a Bilal Muhammad did even better job of neutralizing him. So, Wonder Boy is officially Wonder Man, and uh, it, it ain't too good for him. So he, he's he's the apple pie shitter of the year, no doubt about it. Probably, he might have cost me $100,000, now that I think about it. Well, no, I would have hedged out that last one. He probably cost me about $50,000, $60,000, right? Not money I lost on him, money I could have won had he just done a little more. A little but more you lo- the, Yeah, you uh, lost that matter. money. So, if the, the, so if the feds are listening, yeah, it was... It was you know, make, the government should be giving you it's more the, money back, right. basically. If the IRS work. is listening, yeah. you guys don't <laughs> share in my losses. So why should you share in my wins, right? Why, why should that be a real thing? And I tried to go the backdoor Bitcoin route, but uh, capital gains taxes on Bitcoin. Like, holy fuck, man. They're all about they it. They got you. They got you by the balls, Cody. Uh, you had some, Do you have some like good ones that we should break down here or should we get out of here? What do you okay, think? the last ones I'll hit you with is comeback fighter of the year. So we did comeback fight of the year. Guys getting his ass. See, I didn't have any time to. I'll let you. You'll have to lead these up, and I'll have to agree with you because I didn't have any time. No problem. To uh, I went. I went with comeback fight. fighter of the year as Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz starts off the year. I mean, he's a shell of himself. He doesn't compete very often. He's pretty much irrelevant, and he takes a fight with Casey Kinney, which he's pretty much the bet- bettable underdog against Casey Kinney, and he shows up. He's got a little magic left in the tank. He gets a victory. They book him against Pedro Munoz. This is a top 10 guy. This is a guy that's viewed as not a contender, but a fringe contender. And another picture-perfect performance. Got hurt in the first round, probably lost the first round. But the resilience, the comeback, it's all about the comeback for Dominic Cruz. And really, he just puts himself back into, not title talks, but close to, you know. They want him to fight a Jose Aldo. Well, if you beat a Jose Aldo, then where do you stand within the division? Pretty up there. So as far as a guy that's come back right and just made himself relevant again. I went with Dominic Cruz biggest quit moment of the year. This one was a three-way tie. Amanda, of Amanda course, you've Nunez got Amanda Nunez. Cause she absolutely fucking quit. 
You've got Jan Blockowitz, who totally quit. And of course, Aljamain Sterling takes the award for <laughs> quitting. Biggest decline in a fighter. So somebody who may have started the year off as promising and maybe, you know, someone that you might have been excited for and is just completely off the rails now. I mean, Tyron Woodley lost to Jake Paul twice. Obviously, that we're only doing Tyron UFC, Woodley's lost to Jake Paul. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. I went with Garbrandt. His chin's all the way gone yeah. now. And then again, when you look at oh, he got a win over Rafael Sunsau. He lost the first round to Sunsau. He's losing the second round before he clips him. And then yeah. when you see Ricky Simone just cut right through him, it really gives you more perspective of Asansao's done and Garbrandt is done. He cannot take a punch. He tried to move down to 125. It's even worse for him. Can't go back to 135. They're too big. Can't stay at 125. Chin's not there. The weight cut's not good. Put He's probably going to end up because of the Ali connection. He'll end up being fed to some of Habib on Eagles MMA killers at some point down the line. And it's probably not going to end well for Cody Garbrandt. You no, know, it's funny you mentioned that. So I was like, let's say the UFC does the kid a favor, pats him on the back, says, you know what? Thanks for being a warrior. Thanks for competing. Thanks. You know, you won a world title. You were a champion. You're remarkable for us. It's just, it's not in the cards for you anymore. You release Cody Garbrandt and he goes to Bellator. He don't beat Sergio Pettis. No. He don't beat Kuji Horiguchi. He don't beat Juan Archuleta. He likely doesn't beat Patchy Mix. He's done, dude. He's done. Yeah, there's a couple of knockout losses in his future, and hopefully they're good paydays, right? But he's completely irrelevant. And to think where he started the year to where he is now, absolutely done. And finally, on a show like this, Paul, you can only cap it off with worst decision of the year. Hmm. Of course, mine is having any faith in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But of course, the winner is Ryan Jane spending his entire $25,000 for <laughs> On himself <laughs> and losing, and then subsequently being released from the promotion. So, yeah, you know what? Double, when I think I got a couple bad ball. bounces here and there, Ryan James takes the cake, my friend. Yeah, Those makes James, me feel a little bit better. Yeah, don't always bet on yourself. Not if you already have like <laughs> win bonuses. I mean, betting on yourself is already incorporated into your contract. Don't lose all of your show money on top of it betting on yourself. Um, yeah, that's that. That was a rough go for him. Hopefully, he pops up on like, I don't know, the Bellator. He's on a regional in Michigan. Yeah, he's on regional like Michigan. Regional maybe, scene. maybe he'll get himself into a PFL season and be a first round eliminated. Yeah, I don't know what hopefully, that. I don't know what a guy like that is. He learned does. to just bet against himself. Go over to Russia. There's guys that would like to talk to you for those types of some greasy Russian uh, fixes are definitely always <laughs> in the cards. All right. That is it for us. Happy holidays and all of that good stuff. Uh, Want to thank Cody Safdick for a great 2021 and all the best to everybody in 2022 for Cody and Pat and everybody here at the Mayo media network. I'm Paul Shaughnessy saying goodbye and good luck. Oh, oh, oh. Oh.